I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We're back. T.A. Mahoney, Tales from the Dark Side. And yep, I brought another weirdo friend of mine. <laughs> this one's a little bit better than most, though. I mean, he's he's actually got a had a good job and all that most of my buddies are a little bit different it's hard for them to work with work for other people but uh gonna have a good time tonight we've already been talking some stories um chet tharp is a really good friend of mine we were talking about when i met him it's probably pushing somewhere around i'd say probably 30, 30 years yeah, yeah 30 years back and uh started kind of fishing together and I don't remember. It went pretty quick because that was about the time I started hunting. So I think the fishing and the hunting kind of went together there. I thought, well, see, I used to go to T.A. Mahoney when you were on 13th and Platt. Yeah. And um, when you realized that I had I was a judge, that's when you got real close to me, thinking, whatever can I get? You know, what can I give for you? Yeah, maybe but, I uh, get a little get out of jail. Yeah, free a little card. get out of jail free card. That's that, right. That, but but I think I went to I went to T.A. Mahoney probably for. I don't know, three or four years before you had your store here. Right. And and I met you at, at the other store. It's really interesting because that store, I remember, you know, you've got a slogan. If you can't find it here, quit looking. Right. You have everything. And and it was such a, a, a maze. Mess. Oh, such oh a mess is You'd what go I'm in thinking and, it is. And how, but you guys knew exactly oh, yeah. where everything was. I'd walk in, and if it wasn't you or your dad that would come up and go, what, what can we get for you? And you'd go right to the item. And I'm like, how do you do that? Well, because especially, was, you know, my, my <clears throat> uncle and my dad both just asking them guys for stuff and I remember my dad one time saying, yeah, last time I saw one of those, it was back underneath that shelf. And this is back at the old store. And I went over there and grabbed the piece. And my grandfather, who had died in the early 50s, handwriting was on the piece that the guy was asking for. Right. And it was it was like, and you remember that sitting there all those years. It, uh, Yeah, it was definitely a fun place to be. In a, and, you know, when I think back to most of my friends and a lot of the people that I've made some contacts with and and done some fun things it it came through that store but you know know, the thing about that store is even though i'm not the kind of a guy that i'm not mechanically inclined i think i know what i want but you guys were so personable you you were there to help well we had done it that you were you were there to help and it didn't care how off base i was and what i was asking for you guys knew the questions to ask, what I was going to be using it for, and you were just so helpful. That's why I kept going back. Yeah. You know, you can go to these other stores, and, and it, it's not personable. Yeah, well, and it's the, the knowledge that we have, and that was one of the things. And I agree with what you're saying. You came, See, your recollection of the, the whole relationship was uh, me th- knowing you were a judge, but what I'm thinking is the whole deal was this is a guy that can fish. I said that facetiously. Right. I, you didn't. You didn't gravitate oh, to know. me. Yeah. Because now, probably the other way around. Because I, I like to fish, and I knew you knew how to fish, and so I gravitated probably towards T. A. Mahoney specifically, well, Mike and you Mahoney. You know what? 
I loved it. I, could, I did too. I could teach somebody how to fish. I've made some really good friendships. But one of the things I remember when I took you out early on is uh, I thought to myself, you know what? If I'm spending all this time showing somebody how to catch big fish, they're going to earn it. And I remember that day I, told, I taught you we were chumming, right. throwing bait out, right. and the seagulls were eating the chum. So that, that doesn't do you any good for right. the fish, right? Right, right. So you were on the back deck. Back then we didn't have power poles or nothing. We had the anchor off the front. We were fishing out the back, live well right there. Well, every bait I popped, I'd pop its eye out, and I showed you <laughs> that you throw that bait in the water one eye, and he swims in circles under the surface. Right. So the birds can't get him. They're dipping, but they can't get him, so the fish get him. But then what I started doing was every eyeball, instead of flipping it in the water, I flipped it on his back. He was in front of me. He wanted to be the first one to catch the big fish, so he had me all blocked out. I'd go back there and grab about five chummers, put five eyeballs on his back. At the end of the day. I was covered. It was, it's almost a killer shirt I, design. I'm thinking. I was covered. Greenback eyeballs. <clears throat> I mean, a 12, 14 inch by 14 inch square on the back of his. No idea. The entire day. Had no idea what he was doing. So they dried on there. They hang on there pretty good if, if the person doesn't you know, move around a bunch. And I did give you a break, though. What I tell you right before you got in your truck, I said, hey, before I got in that pretty truck with them I'd leather seats. I'd take that shirt off. I'd take that shirt off. I'd take off. that shirt off. And you had no idea. You, why? Why? I go, just look. Look on the back. So there's one for you if you want to get your buddies that always want to be in the honey hole. But I'll tell you this. No good deed goes unpunished because we fished a tournament. Yeah. And paybacks, brother. Oh, man. Paybacks. What happened? I remember <clears throat> this. I knew. Southern I, Equipment Tournament. That's right. That's Great a, tournament we that, used to fish down in Bahia Beach. That's exactly where we were, yeah. Bahia oh, Beach. Oh, you don't think. Not many people get me back. And if you remember, when we pulled in, we were going to go back in, in the awards and we're going to eat. And I made an excuse. We had some money fish, too, We did. We? we did. Yeah. And I told you, I said, Mike, I can't stay. I got, I got, to, I got to take off. Oh, no, he knowing, can't stay. Knowing what he's going to walk in, and he was covered. So how'd you how'd you manage that that day? I've never asked you that. What, I'm a professional. Did it Mike. start at the beginning? I, of the day? I, I, I learned from the master. See, tournament See, time, I got my guard down. I was the one wanting to get in the honey hole to make it count. I didn't want to put let him control whether or not I win money or not on a fishing boat. But yeah, that's what happened, that, wasn't it? I yeah. jumped back there on the best spot in the boat, and you made you me did. pay for it. I made you pay for it, and then, but then. I got away from you because I knew what was going to happen. As soon as you got in there, somebody saw you, you're going to go, okay, Tharp, has, Tharp got me back. But you know what's funny is so many people, and, and like I said, that Southern equipment, you remember Brian Berry? Absolutely. Great guy. Great man. guy. Great organization. Yep. They yep. had a charity tournament every year. Man, it was, it was fun. And uh, I remember that most of those guys that saw that on my back, they weren't saying a thing. They were on your side. Probably people I'd messed with for many years. Trust me, it's happened to them too. Oh yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't new. They knew that you had gotten got. That was good. That's man. funny. Yeah. And you know, uh, one of the early times we're talking about is, uh, and you know what's nice is right now we're right around September October. Those fish, you know, that time of year, that's when we catch them big snook. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're gonna be under the docks. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be out. Absolutely, How the about big the fish trussle? right now. Forty one bridge. Oh my God, you remember that? Oh, it was unreal. We fished. Um, probably we my... fished the Alify River at, at night and probably had one of the best meals that night. I think I can ever remember having one with you. We took a break and went to the Giants camp. Yeah, and they and... had cannonball burger. <laughs> Yeah. Cannonball burgers. I don't know if y'all probably ever... the greasiest burger oh, I've yeah. ever had. If you got it to go, you couldn't get it in a brown bag. It'd bust through the bottom of it. You'd have to put <laughs> your hand underneath it because we'd be out there fishing on the Alify, and anybody that's fished this east side and been around the Alify, the big snook coming that river, and you got to catch them when it's a moving tide. If yeah. you remember, it didn't matter in or out. Maybe spots changed, but they fed on in and out and the shad come up in the river. So we'd wait for slack tide and we'd go over to uh, Cannonball. We'd say, ah, oh, get a Cannonball burger. And 
remember it was Dean Underwood that I think told us about that. He said the lady that cooks them used to get sh shot out of the cannon at the carnival. Yeah. And she was working right there and lived in the trailer park or something behind it. And but of I, course we believed him. I remember, I remember though, cause when we caught those shad and again, it's night and we're looking at the lights coming down from the, from the bridge and we had special rods. We weren't using just a regular oh, spinning no. reel. And you said, okay, Chet, listen, when, when you throw out, hang on, because when you get hit, it's going to be a big one. And it was. We caught some big fish yeah. that night. And that was back when you could keep them. I think uh, all of them would be 38 inches. I mean, you would get some smaller ones, but we would whack the ones 38 and bigger. They were I huge. Mean, yeah, we had a good time. Huge and that was fish. back when you could keep them. Yep. And, you yep. know, you burn no fuel. No, because you... you you put in at Williams Park, yep. slip over to... Um, on the to trolling the, motor. On the trolling motor. Halfway yeah. there, you throw the net. That's it. You know, what a great uh, fishery. And that's this time of year, guys. That's uh, right now in September. We got a few boat stories to tell, too. There was one uh, I remembered. Chet had kind of, you know, learned a little bit about fishing. He wanted to break away from me and kind of act like he was the man. <laughs> So he was spending some time down in Boca Grande. And oh, yeah. Jeff Keel had a tournament down there that was uh, an invitation-only snook tournament, and we had fished it a few years. We'd used my boat, and this particular year, Chad had gotten a brand-new boat. You'd gotten buddies with the guy from Lake, Lake and Bay. Bay. Yeah, bought I think a, both your sons went to the University of Florida They together. were fraternity brothers. Yeah. He was uh, one of the owners for Lake and Bay. So he built you this boat that was just, anybody's ever been around a Lake and Bay, I don't care what you got, that's a fast boat. Probably one of the fastest I've ever fished out well, of. They used to sponsor uh, some of their fishing guides in the Oh Boy Alberto yep. Redfish Tournament. And they would take these boats. One of the, one of the stories, they, would, they were fishing out of Port Arthur, Texas. Yep. And these boats were so fast, they may have a hole in Louisiana <clears throat> that have two fishermen. And when the clock started, they'd take that boat and they'd run as hard as they could to Louisiana, fish that hole for 30 minutes and come back. That's how fast and those... When. And when. I and fished, when. Uh, I fished that circuit you're talking about. And one thing I guarantee you, every time you take off, a lake and bay is going to pass you because they just they were the fastest boat at the time and still to this day fast this boat was had a kevlar hull on it it was so he light he built you a super nice boat what was it a 21 boker grand yep. wasn't it yeah it was a carbon 20, fiber yep yep 21 boker grand he had a uh, 250 mercury optimax racing engine on it i mean it was scary scary had fast. to run high test absolutely yeah you couldn't you, put you regular couldn't, fuel no additives nothing high test high fuel. test only only and and there's only one time i fished boca grand 20 years and um i fished boca grand in that boat probably a good 10 years yeah but there's only been one time that i was in that boat that we actually when i say we because i wasn't driving actually opened it up do you remember that time that time yeah it ran wide open i wanted to wide see what open. it had that was a special time what happened that we were in a, you tell we were something? in a tournament yeah we were in jeff keel's tournament we were in jeff keel's yep. tournament and we were fishing um over near was it burnt store matt lachey a little Lachet. bit further south a little bit but further. that side of the harbor yeah you and i had been fishing we'd caught fish uh, we're on the way back, and um, I'll never forget. You said, "Hey, let me drive." Okay, no problem. No, I can't stand you riding. I don't know if y'all ever do this or not. You riding in a boat, and the guy driving don't know how to trim and jacket and all that. Well, that was the problem. I was ready to get on back. Go ahead. The next thing I know, my face is pushed back like this. I got my hat on backwards. I'm hanging on. We're probably doing 70 miles an hour, if not faster than that. Mahoney says, don't look back. And it's like, all I can do is, what do you mean don't look back? I'm not about to look back. I'm just trying to hold on for my dear life. We are flying across Charlotte, Charlotte Harbor. Yep. We went I'm into Turtle Bay. Screaming. Never coming, slowed down. Never slowed Back down. Back door. 
All you guys that think you run the mangroves before, wide open 70, back door of Turtle Bay, came through Bull Bay. He, he like coming around, champ. cutting this boat, and, and we're and this boat is running shallow. It's like a Ferrari, and those just lake and bays, let me tell you. Flying. I'm pale. I am scared to death, just hanging on for dear life. Go ahead. So we get back. If anybody knows that area. Now, let, let, let me stop. Go for ahead. You, you have finish. to also understand that, you know, I'm a gator. My son was a gator. They were all at the University of Florida. So when they built this boat, it's got a bright orange hull with a light blue deck. Yeah. So it's blue it's, bottom, too. Wasn't no, it? no. All, all, all orange. All bright orange with a light blue deck. So it's, uh, it's, it's gator colors. One of a kind, he's saying. One of a kind. So I shoot through. It's the middle of the summer, really, springtime, summer. Jeff would always pick that, I think, May or June. So it was always good fishing, you know, new moon in June, or I think it was May. So uh, we shot back, went through the trussle wide open, went all the I think I even parked the boat like Rockford Files. Oh, God. Sideways, pulled it back, shut it down before it even sat down right next to the dock. I stepped out, tied it off. Tied it off. Started walking we in go. like a pro. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning on a bad day. And I got weak knees. I've been yeah. I, my, I, I'm I'm like, oh my god, what what were you doing? The funniest thing. He looked at me and said, "What in the world are you driving that fast for?" And I said, "You didn't see the blue lights behind us? What? <laughs> yeah, they've been chasing us through that manatee zone. I left them. Well, how many times are you in a boat with a judge? Now he had no clue what was going on, but I knew for one thing for sure." It wasn't going to be that bad, no matter what the consequences were. It wasn't going to be that bad. We had snook in the boat. Well, we were legal. Oh, yeah. We, we were. There's no question about that. We were legal. Well, what they did was they stuck the manatee signs up off-season. They didn't tell nobody. You expect me to drive through there looking at signs and reading them? I ain't going to. But, but as soon as we – he was, just hold on and – he hit the throttle and punched that boat. We jumped up on plane. We had a rooster tail probably 100 feet long, screaming across. And, and he says, don't look back. And it's like, there's no way I can look back. I'll get blown off of this damn boat. That's an awesome story. Oh, that my God. That was one of my uh, funnest times. Never been in a boat that fast. Scared me to death when we got there. I thought, Mike, what, what did you, what are you, if, if they would have caught us, it was my I mean, fault. I oh, my gosh. I'd have stood up and said he knew nothing about it, and you didn't. I didn't. You wouldn't have done it. You're the one that waves to him and stuff. You like talking to everybody. Chatty Cathy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm That's so, what happens. I'm so law enforcement, pro-law enforcement. I love them all. I love them, too. I love them all. I'll tell you another funny one real quick is uh, we are hog hunting, and they call you, and that, that was one of the things that really impressed me about you throughout the years, no matter what you were doing, if your job needed you, whether it was sign a warrant or anything else, two in the morning, six at night, you're in the middle of hog hunting with Mahoney. You told him, I'll be there in 15 minutes to sign that warrant. And you were, you were really the people's judge. There was, you know, it's the way I felt about it. I, I kind of, you know, as times change, I know things happen. And, you, you know, know um, Every year, judges are on call one week out of the year. You're considered the emergency judge. So right. after hours, back then it wasn't automated like it is now. Everything's done on the computer. But right. back then they'd call you and wake you up in the middle of the night and then come to your house. Well, I was so pro-law enforcement, and they knew that. I'd get police officers from TPD would come to Brandon for me to sign search warrants. And because it was something I, needed. I, I was closest with uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. And I remember one particular night, um, I was not the duty judge, but I got a phone call and it was probably 11, 12 o'clock at night. I signed, the, they came, I signed the search warrant, went back to bed, 1.30, I get another phone call. A second search warrant they come and, and when you get the phone call sometimes it's 45 minutes before they get to your house so you're up you're awake so this was my second search warrant signed it go back to bed 
Just as I'm about to fall asleep, for the third time, the phone rings again. Another search warrant. By this time, my wife is awake. She can't go back to bed. She's upset. You're not, you're not the duty judge. Why don't you tell them no? I said, I can't. These are my brothers, you know, in, in law enforcement. I said, I, I, I can't tell them no. We do the third one. They leave. I tell her, listen, let's go to breakfast. We go to the village inn. It's open 24-7. We go. Nobody's there. We eat our breakfast. The waitress comes over, and she gives me the bill. And I'm in my 40s at the time. Uh, man, was a long time I got it a long time ago. She gave me a senior citizen's discount on our bill. It made me so mad. I had I was Paid already. Extra. Uh, that's right. That's right. I asked her, I go, what does this mean? She goes, oh, you, you're, you're over 55, aren't you? I said, oh, my God. I can't believe this. But, yeah, they had kept me up all night long. And I'll tell you something. I remember as somebody from Tampa that at one time somebody was at a baseball game, a judge, they called her and said, can you sign the warrant about something pretty important? She said, after the game. He's the guy who'd get up and go. I was in Ruskin with him. We pull up in the sheriff's department. We've been hog hunting. Got guns. I got an AR-15 laying on my feet. It's unloaded, but it's where it is. And I pull in, and I didn't know. I ain't. I've never been over to Ruskin Sheriff's Office. I have no reason to go there. And he whips me in there. Got a cigarette hanging out of my mouth, and it says "tobacco free." And I got cops approaching the truck, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, I hope this is quick." But got it done, and he would do that. That's one thing about him. He's. Uh, I've been. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm because I, I made me think of another story. You mentioned. Well, I'll you tell mentioned you what, Ruskin. We're gonna have to keep. Cut it a little bit short. We got a break coming up. And what we're going to do is come back to some of these stories. You know, I can tell you one thing for sure. We're going to have to have you on quite a few times to cover all these stories because there's some good ones. We'll be back. Yeah. We're back. Tales from the Dark Side, T.A. Mahoney. You can say real animals. Real animals. And I got one sponsor that I got to have, Butler Boyd, attorneys at law. And y'all got any problems with what I'm talking about? Call Butler Boyd. I ain't going to talk to you. And but, I know Butler Boyd. Good people. Tremendous law firm. Good, good lawyers. I would not hesitate to call Butler Boyd if I had that's any awesome. type of a legal I'm problem. I'm glad you know him. Take it from a judge. Yeah, and that's uh Good guys. That's a good, definitely good, a, a yeah. good recommendation there. But we were talking stories, and we were talking Ruskin. Oh, yeah, yep. And uh, we were talking about the rattlesnake hunt, right? So. Or is it I, actually a hog hunt? We're, we're hog hunting, I, and that's what I do. I hog hunt. I've hog hunted for 40 years, longer than that maybe. Anyway. We're on this property in, uh, in Ruskin, and it's basically an orange grove. Mike and I are riding in a Jeep, and, and one of the things that really impresses me about Mike, not only is he a good fisherman, but he's a great shot. Mike can, Mike can hit. Shot placement. Unbelievable. One of, one, of the, one of the few guys, I've got probably, and I hunt a lot, probably five guys on one hand that can shoot as well as, as, as Mahoney. But in any event, we're, we're riding along. Something's dying. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> we're on a hunting trip, and I got one in the pipe, hot, ready to roll. Something's dying. May not be legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, we're riding along, and we like, what's that in the road? It's like 40, 50 yards down. Mike goes, I think it's a snake. We get down. This thing's pretty big. It's it's like a six foot rattlesnake. Mike jumps out. I guess you took a thirty foot. I mean, a, a, about a thirty yard shot. Yeah, two seventy. One one shot. Well, what I did was, if you remember, I'm instantly thinking, I've never shot one. I'm gonna mount one. That's exactly what I want. So when I'm running up to the snake, I'm thinking, where do I shoot it? without ruining it for this mount. Right. So I was probably, I would say a little closer than 30 yards. A Jeep might've been 30 yards. I was probably 
15, let's say. Okay. I'm Whatever. a good ways away. I can tell you I'm not up <clears throat> on the snake. I respect them. Right. So, and it was up, coiled up. One shot, dead snake. So we think. Yeah. I got a bottle of um, a, a container of Khmer deer. I'm thinking you're leaving all kinds of stuff out. Do you Go remember for it. what happened? Go for it. I shot him. I went over there and grabbed him, and I asked for help. And what did you do? Huh? That, Tell how, me. How did Tell you, me. Okay, you know is, what you did. Here's a Mahoney story. I don't like snakes. Oh. I'm not getting out to help nothing. So, you know, that, that brings me to another story. When this one is done about us hog hunting, but yeah, you we'll get, we're going to go to that, and you're mm -hmm. going to run it. You're going to run it. Every oh, I will. Story you I, got. I will. Remember what I said earlier? No good deed goes without punishment. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. I remember. So, so I look at Chet. Hey, a little help? Bada bada, a little help? No help. He throws me a container of Khmer deer, this stuff that attracts deer. It's basically bait. And he's it's almost empty, so he's, you know, he has used it. Well, I figured that container was good enough. I put the six-foot rattlesnake in the one- or two-gallon container, screwed the cap on, shoved it in the cooler, covered it with ice. Reptiles do not like cold. So I knew it was okay to put him in there and preserve him and next day taking him to the taxidermist. So what happens? We get back to your house, big we get fa back, fancy we get pants neighborhood. You got to figure you're with a judge. He's a fancy pants neighborhood. <laughs> You know, call my wife out. Come look at the snake that Mahoney killed. I shake it out of the Khmer deer and I go, Oh, it's got this crap all over. It's kind of like grits or something. That Khmer yeah, deer is real fine caked powder. up on it and all. So I'm rinsing it with the garden, you know, the regular garden hose, and it's warm water compared to the to the, the cool, ice the that ice was in the cooler. cooler. Yeah. yeah. So I warmed him up a little bit, and this snake came alive. It was in the neighborhood she's screaming my wife's screaming the He's, snake is going across the driveway with those rattles going like that mahoney's <laughs> eyes are this big around you're you're tap dancing you're 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 moonwalking backwards away from the snake keep going because i'm going to tell the story now all right so i grab him <clears throat> the only thing i could do and what we put him in a bag a garbage bag I put him back in the cooler with ice all with over ice him. all over him, and I'm telling you, when I took him out of my truck that night, I ran to the freezer. Yeah, and I wasn't holding it underneath the bag either. I was holding the top. You don't know where their head is. You're worried about their fangs. I'll tell you that I hadn't had a lot of dealings with rattlesnakes, but honestly, when I grabbed that snake by the head and I looked down, and his you could see the venom sacs. You know how big and wide the head was and it was resting on my hand i actually my stomach started turning i started feeling sick just looking at the size of this snake and what it could do and anybody know anything about eastern diamondbacks the baddest of the bad they're the baddest because they can pump so much in you even though you think that snake is dead he may be dead Ooh. If those those fangs get on you, they can still hit you. You know with, what's with crazy? I took that to uh, a taxidermist, a lady, and I can't think of her name. Branchboro Taxidermy, Trina, I think was her name. I'd gotten a bunch of referrals about reptiles and her right. doing it, so I shot over there. She wasn't. She had me put it in the freezer, so I started talking to her. Do you know she got a rattlesnake brought to her one time? Put it in the freezer for three months, pulled it out, started skinning it, and it started moving on her. She said, I don't pull them out for six months now. Yeah. It's just the way it is. That's how, uh, that's how bad them snakes that's are. Scary. Now, what, what's the, let's hear this. So we're hog one. hunting on a pre piece of property off of Highway 60. We've been running around all night. We hadn't seen any hogs. I tell Mike, it's starting to get dark. Let's, let's get out of here. As we're coming out, there's a group of pigs. Deadeye that was bad jumps shooting. out. New gun. New gun. Jumps out, shoots this hog, and he runs into the woods. We pull up, and I said, Mike, let's let's go get him. No, no, no. I don't I don't want to get out of the truck. Oh, I'm sure. Mike, come on, Mike. I mean, let's go in. He's right here. He can't be very far. It's dark. I don't I, it's dark. 
You go, I, Chet. You anybody go. that knows you go, me Chet. knows that. Yeah, right. That true. You that go, Chet. True. I had to go in the woods, grab this pig, and bring him out and throw him in the back of the Jeep because Mahoney was afraid of him. Is that the one afraid I cleaned the in the back, pulled the back straps out? You know what the funnest time about that property was up there? That was the old pits off Dover Road. That's exactly it? right. Is hunting people. Because I've never been in that situation to be able to hunt people. So I'm here with Chet, and we're driving around, you know, and all of a sudden we see people where they shouldn't be. They're on, they're trespassing. So it's like, let's go. And we took off running through there. They dogged us pretty quick. Inter the interesting thing about it, I don't know if you were with me when, um, when we had uh, the problem with the trespassers. They were... There were deer on the property as well. I don't hunt deer. Nice deer. Yeah, nice, nice deer. I'm, I'm a hog hunter. Big does. But we would, we'd be on the property hunting hogs, and we'd come up to a, a doe that had been shot, and only the back straps were taken, and they'd leave the rest of the deer there. Yeah. You know, the owners needed help, and I got in touch with, uh, with game wardens, and um, were you with me when the, I had a couple of times when I was on that property and ran up on on, uh, on trespassers, and we never man, called one them phone they call, stopped. One phone call and and the game wardens were there. I mean, but really I was fast. with you the one time where I sh remember we found the strap. Yeah. That held the like a climber together. Right. And it was brand new looking, and I told you that probably came off a climber. I think you'd called them then, and they started. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of watching that area. But yeah, it's pretty sad when people do that. At least when I shoot them, I take the whole deer. You would have found a gut pile, not just the back straps taken. Uh, you out know, you t you take them when it's legal, and you only harvest an animal when you're actually going to use eat. it, and you're going to eat That's it. That's right. You you don't you don't kill an animal just for. That's, I mean, that's wasteful, and, and, uh, and it's illegal. You know, we're, we're talking about hog hunting, and, and I want to go back about 25 years. There was a friend of ours, uh, David Singletary, the Dixie Sportsman Hunting Lodge yep. up in Cross City. My first experience with a fenced-in, what was it, a 15-foot fence that had oh, electrocute, yeah. a, a wire going through it. and Well, they had exotic animals on oh, this ranch. Oh, it was Bush Gardens with a rifle. I loved it. You drive through and shoot zebras if you remember. You had zebras the way they, Yeah, the way they did You shoot whatever you wanted, but you had to pay for it. Yeah, that was a problem but, I had. But that was the uh, that was the deal, and and I didn't care about I didn't care about shooting anything. All I cared about was getting a big pig. Well, and we went up there with a few people that trip, I believe, yep. three or four of us. I forget how many, but we were taking turns getting hogs, and of course we wanted to take care of the judge here and let him have first crack at it. So it was what daylight, and they called us. So that hog is on the wall. Yeah. In in this That's store right. in this store right now. So we're on a, we're on a swamp buggy. It's got to be 30 degrees. It's cold. The guides are on horseback. Right. And they've got radios. We get a call and we they said we've got a big pig send somebody into the swamp. Well, Mahoney immediately says, "Tharp, you go." So I grab the, my gun, climb off of the swamp buggy, and there's a ditch with water in it that you got to cross to get up into the, the swamp. swamp yeah so i jump down and i'm starting to go across this ditch and mike goes no 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 don't go there there's a big hole bunch go, of briars go down about 10 yards and then go in okay i i never been there before i didn't know i walked down where he tells me because right there go in right there and i stepped into a hole i went chest deep all i did was hold my gun up to keep it from getting wet i am i'm videoing by the way I'm he's up laughing on the swamp buggy laughing he's looking at me and what do i tell you not that far come back this way son <laughs> it's oh, like oh that was great it's that, like, was a, that was a bad pig too so I was using a 4570, which is yeah. a big round. Made and, for Cape Buffalo. And the, uh, the guide is on horseback, and he says, I'm going to give you two commands. First command is I'm going to tell you, put it on him. And he goes, you, put your, you, you aim on that, on that pig, and then I'm going to call my dog off, and I'm going to give you the second command. It's going to take him. He goes, put it on him. I pull my rifle up. 
the dog to your back, he goes, take him. I shoot. Nail him. I nail him. Yeah, he right where you want to. He doesn't flinch. The guide's like, oh, my God. Put it on him. Put it on him. I put it on him. He calls the dogs back. He said, take him. I shoot him again. The pig goes down, but he's not dead. The guide got off of that horse and went to him and and he ended up drowning the pig. Yeah, had to. Had Y'all to drown. Out of bullets. I had shot him three. T- yeah. I shot him three times. Well, I think of all good shots. Yeah, they were all vitals. I'd, all good shots. And that's what's wild about hunting pigs too. And you've hunted them for a long time. You can tell me the same thing. Everyone's different. They're all different. And some drop quick. You hit them just right. And some like him. I, and you know, most people I tell that story to, they tell me you're crazy. Three forty-five seventies, and he didn't go down. He had grapefruit holes on the exit wound, and this thing wasn't going down. Big cutters. He was, I think, two eighty, three hundred. He's up on the wall. He was. Uh, that was a bad. That was, was a bad hog. But let me tell you this: when I told him, and we put him in the water, when I told you go a little further, one thing I knew is the 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 ranch house was only five <laughs> minutes away. So I knew after he got soaking wet and killed the pig at 6.30 in the morning, we'd still be able to go over there and he could get a change of clothes real quick. It wasn't all that By bad. the time we got back to the to the ranch house, I had ice on me. It was so cold. I mean, it, we were freezing. So then we go, let's go into a deer story. I could We could go all night from fish cops to deer and pigs right? alligators alligators which one do we go to there's so many Chet. there's so many where you want to go you want to talk about falling in on an eight you want to do an alligator? alligator yeah what happened over at lake so, hancock so we're at lake hancock we um mahoney's got we're in an airboat and i've got my son with me yeah so my son and i are up on the top seat of this airboat we shoot um, a harpoon and we got it, it was about a nine foot alligator yep. he we had a we had a, uh, like a float yeah about like this we had a float and we had hooked him with a rod and reel i believe and we had the the gator was underneath the boat so mike says chad he goes you want to stick him with the with the harpoon oh yeah I'll, i'd love i'd love to do that so he goes well climb down and come up front well i'm used to fishing flats boats well they've all got gunnels I come down, and, and I have to tell you that for this particular trip, I think I'd gone to Walmart, and I bought a $15 pair of those little rubber boots that tied up, that laced up. Special little boots. Special boots. Special boots. <laughs> so I'm up there. Mahoney says, come on down here and grab the harpoon. I come down, and I miss the side of the boat. Now, we've got a nine-foot alligator underneath the boat, He's going to walk down the gunnel. I'm gonna, the gunnel's an inch and well, a half. I, 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 inch not, and a half wide. It, as soon as I miss the side of the boat, I know I'm going in the drink. Oh, yeah. I black, know it immediately. Black water at midnight and with a gator. It's like instantaneous. When I hit the bottom, I'm coming out. I'm shooting out because I don't know where this alligator is. You talk about scared and adrenaline. I went to help him. He didn't need no help. He grabbed the side of that boat and come in so quick. I don't I, even know how. I hit the bottom and bent my knees and j- grabbed that boat and just flew out of the water. I was wet from my feet to my chest. My socks were dry. Socks were dry. You talk socks. about quickness of falling in and out. Socks didn't have a chance. I was. They were laughing. I was freaking out. I was shaking. He goes, here, take the harpoon and stick this gator when we pull him up. I get up to the front. I've never used a harpoon before. Adult daycare. The, <laughs> the, um, the point comes off, so you're holding the a string. A detachable harpoon. Deta- yeah, a detachable harpoon. It fits on a bolt. Yep. Flat blunt, bolt. Blunt. They pulled this gator up, and I stick him. But before I stick him, I let go of the string. The harpoon point falls off. I stuck this bolt in the back of this. Shoulder blades. This gator's laying there, and when I hit him, I buried the bolt in his back. I hit him so hard. His arms flew out like that. 
I've he never was seen done. It. I looked at it and said, well, I guess we don't need to shoot him now. <laughs> He's dead. Broken back from a bolt. That's how my – and, you know, people don't realize that when you hunt alligators or something like that with a harpoon – how pumped up you are oh, God. when you hit that thing. You know, you don't realize um, I've hunted a lot of alligators and some of those big ones, you think on the first harpoon that you think, wow, I really didn't hit him that hard. Cause sometimes you want to feel resistance yeah. when you drive it in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the biggest one I ever got, I swore I barely got him. And when we got that gator in, you, you had to cut the dart out. Is how buried it was, right? Just because you're so pumped up, yeah, you're and, amped, yeah, and ready to roll. Yep, um, yeah, that was a that was a good hunt. We got a good some good gators that night. Yeah, we've had uh, you know one of the funniest times I took you hunting. You flew up to Alabama with me. You remember that one? <laughs> I did. I'm in Alabama. I had a hunting buddy in the condo, right? Yeah. Let me tell you this one. This was great. My buddy Ross Barkhurst, this is how it all starts. I'll try to make this one quick and land the plane quick. But Ross Barkhurst, Cajun, Louisiana, I'm hunting with him. He's full of jokes, likes to drink. He, uh, he had been at a bar somewhere in Louisiana or uh, Alabama that night, and there was a bachelorette party. And they had had a blow-up doll I guess I can say it. It was called Peter Pecker, if you remember. I don't remember Set the name. Set it across his chest or something. And this blow-up doll, you can imagine what it looked like. It was for the women, okay? So it was... Uh, but it was it was as big as a human. Yeah, I mean, six it wasn't foot look, tall. It was with, big. You know. So that day, I went hunting that next morning. Chet was coming in the next day. And I was hunting, and my buddy Ross had tied this thing up in the middle of one of these ponds that we hunt on. We got food plots around a pond and really nice areas. And I'm there and me and my wife are there and this, you know, we're there before daylight. And as the sun comes up, I'm looking out there on the pond and I'm like, what in the world is that? Where would that come from in the middle of the woods? So once the sun come up, we got the big joke and big funny, right? So I was thinking about shooting it. And then I thought, you know, I'm not going to be the only one to get Peter Pecker. I got my buddy Tharp coming in tomorrow. So I went and put it in a stand for him. It was a box stand. And, of course, it had its arms out like this and its legs out the same way. And I set it in the stand, if you remember, aiming right at the door. So when he opened the door, this box stand, it's looking at you. You climb up these stairs to get up in it, and it's dark. Well, and you got a picture, you'd never even been there. And I drive you way back in the woods and drop you off. You can't get out of your stand. You don't really want to take That's Peter right. Pecker and put him outside because the deer are going to run. We became good friends. Well, he sat in the stand. All, he wanted to hunt the same stand all week. <laughs> all week long. I climb, that, I climb that stand, and it's dark. I've got a flashlight. I reach up on the latch and open the door and throw my flashlight and there he is i almost fell off the oh, off yeah. the ladder and i was already gone Scared. he couldn't <laughs> yell at me he couldn't say come get me it was <laughs> awesome you know i remember how about your first bucks oh god that's a good one we're in georgia my adult daycare he's never killed a buck before and wants to go with mahoney so i take him up to georgia and uh i put him in a stand and he says, you think I'll see one? I go, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll see one. I go, shoot whatever you want. You've never shot a buck before. I don't care what he is. Button buck, six point, eight point, ten point. You shoot what you want. Okay, that's great. He goes, what if, what if I see two? <laughs> I go, well, if, oh yeah, you did ask me. What are you talking about? How else do you kill two deer? I gave you the green light. I said, only... If call buck the second one, hey, you had never killed a buck in your life. I'm not giving you a green light on a call buck that's a year and a half old. Some you've been reading stories in outdoor life or something, you know. Anyway, he says, "What if I see another buck?" I said, "I tell you what, if you shoot a buck, and it's the one you want, and a bigger one comes out, shoot him." He's thinking, great, Mike, great. So I go up, 
get him in a stand, point it out, drop him off, food plot, beautiful area. I drive down, go to my stand, probably within an hour, boom. I'm thinking, wow. And people that hunt know, you kind of know sometimes when somebody shoots out of a certain stand. So I knew he had shot at a deer and hopefully killed it. I'm thinking, great, man, he got a deer. You know, you take somebody hunting, you want them to kill something. So it was about 10 minutes later, I hear, boom. Think, wow, well, yeah, he must have shot two. He must have seen two over there. So I didn't really know what two he killed, so to speak. So we went over to the gate. Mike, while you're telling this story, can I grab some of those boots that you've got over yeah. there and put them finish on? Finish the story Is that okay? for me. Then I'll no, I want you, you to go ahead. I know I want you to go ahead. No, no, You no, didn't fine. kill two that night? I did. I did. Go ahead. And what in one of six and one in eight? <laughs> go ahead, uh, Mike. So he shot the six, and then he saw the eight at the uh, well, this is what I told him, and this is the truth, guarantee you. I said, don't. <laughs> That's when you know. I said, don't. We got a little embellishment coming on. I guarantee you this is the truth. I go, Trust don't. Me when I you tell shoot you. one, don't get out of the stand. Do not. I'll be back. We'll go find it. So I said, what happened? He said, I shot the first one. What'd you do? I got out of the stand. I wanted to go see it right so he walks back gets in the stand looks the other way there's the other one pow shot it isn't that what happened i didn't candy coat it that's exact that's exactly what happened. one six one eight that's right loaded both of them up that was your first box was that when the game warden came yeah game warden came that was another game warden story game warden kind of a friend of mine he's at the gate first time i've ever seen this before yeah he wanted to uh come check the deer out we shot you know he stops hey mike that was y'all huh and i'm yeah yeah he shot him <laughs> you know it was the first thing i shot oh he shot a couple yeah 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 we shot some deer well let's go in and get them i go no no you're not coming in he goes i'm not coming in why and i told him i said hey i don't like a bunch of people on my food plots that's where the deer are me and him are going in we're going to load the deer up and then we're going to drive out here and meet you at the gate how about that well that sounds good to me stay at the gate First stay at the gate and if you ever think hey you don't know till you tell them that's the whole thing it's like when they say to you hey i'm getting on your boat you tell them no you're not well they may say okay i won't then or they may say you have no choice but you'll never know Unless you ask him. Right. Am I right? That's exactly right. No, that's exactly so, right. And he's a good guy. He, I don't but it's even, the first time I've ever seen somebody tell a game warden, no, don't come in here. You stay here at the gate. We'll come back to you. Because he knows And he me. said, okay. <laughs> he said, okay. Hey, we got another quick one. And I'm going to tell you this. You think <clears throat> that's good to tell a game warden to stay at the gate? I got one for you. I'm in the courthouse downtown. Had a problem with shoplifting. I caught somebody. And. They wanted to fight me on it, so I have to show up to be the witness to say, yeah, you did steal it. And I'm in the courtroom, and, and I'm done with – I don't even think I gave a testimony because there wasn't nothing to testify. He got caught with it. The cops got him. It's a done deal. He was in my store and left. It's my stuff. He didn't pay for it, bottom line. But I had to show up. So I showed up, and I'm walking out of the courtroom, and this state attorney, I guess he was, that knew both of us, Mike Mooney. Mike Mooney. Thug life, got rides Harleys now with long hair. He's working in there, and he says, hey, let's go mess with Tharp. Well, I've known Tharp a long time, and I know my boundaries, and I give him total respect. I never try to get him in a compromised situation, unless it may be a fish cop or something, which really ain't a big deal. But other <laughs> than that, other than that, I respect him. I've never asked him to do something he shouldn't. I did ask him one time about a parking ticket. He can't even fix a parking ticket. So all that, the whole deal with knowing a judge ain't that big of a deal, okay? So I'm, we walk in his courtroom. Now, his courtroom is the size of the, my store. I mean, his, he's way back. You got all kinds of people in there. So I just yell at the top of my lungs, get, that, get, get your hands off me. Well, the whole courtroom, you could hear a pin drop. Because when he was in there, they called him the travel agent. He was a guy you didn't want to get on that little subpoena to show up in front of him. Just He's a uh, hardcore. So everybody in there is thinking, 
this guy that yelled in the back is about to something bad's fixing to happen to him. So this guy, Mike, walks me up front and I'm sitting there and I think you're about to get dismiss everybody for lunch or something. And he tells me, Mr. Mahoney, approach the bench, you know, big old bench like this one or desk or whatever he said. He's in a robe. I don't even think he had any clothes on underneath <laughs> it. He's wearing a robe. I used to ask him about that. He'd never, never tell me the truth. <laughs> So I walk up and I walk behind it and everybody's in a panic because I'm up here next to the judge. Nobody in there even knew who I was. That was hilarious. They didn't know we were friends. That was the big thing. The thing is, the thing is when I told him, I said, Mike, I said, Mr. Mahoney approached the bench. He had made a commotion when he first got in there. My, and my deputies, and they were big. Oh, they, yeah. they were big guys. They're like, they're on point at this point in time. Who is this guy? Mr. Mahoney? approach the bench and he comes walking up well i'm thinking when somebody i tell him approach the bench they're going to come right here in the front well i'm sitting in the middle and, I, and there's openings on both sides i turn and i'm talking to my clerk or my probation officer the next thing i know he's back behind the bench by that my chair i about jumped out of my chair thinking well, i'm like mike what are you doing up you can't be up here hey, I, i'll never forget that it was the funniest <laughs> thing we started laughing and his bodyguard was this lady now you can imagine a bodyguard and a lady they just to me it doesn't, maybe there's some that's tough but I, anyway she's sitting there and and she said hey you introduced me to her. She said, hey, this is my personal bodyguard that's sitting next to me. And I go, well, she, you might as well get rid of her because I could have done choked you out before she even got out of her chair. She probably didn't like that too much. But, man, some fun times, Chet. And we I did have some good times. And, and hope to have a bunch more. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. We're uh, going to wrap this one up, and I appreciate you coming out here tonight. Well, Mike, you've always been a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you something else. As good as you have been to me, and we do have a lot of fun. When you stop ragging on me, I know that there's a problem with our relationship. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.